Our reading this evening is Psalm 69, which is on page 602, if you're using the Red Bibles. That's Psalm 69. 96, I'm corrected. I do have the right one in front of me. You'll be glad to know. Okay, 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. My name's Ellie Freeman, for those of you that don't know, and um, it's such a, an amazing joy to be able to come together and worship God like that and um, to, to read his word. And um, I'm just going to pray for us as we look at this psalm tonight and ask that God would teach us and speak to us through it. So would you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you for the joy it is to come together as your people and sing your praises. And Father, we want to ask that you would come now as we read this psalm together, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see all that you would want us to tonight. And God, we pray that you would soften our hearts to respond, God, in whatever way you're calling us to. Come, Lord Jesus, and have your way among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the final week in our series in the Psalms, uh, Thinking and Feeling with God. And over the last few weeks, we've taken a look at a number of different Psalms and thought about how they can shape the way that we relate to God. And today, um, we're going to be looking, as Jana uh, read to us already, for, at Psalm 96, and um, this is an incredible psalm, and I'm excited uh, to see what it is that God is going to speak to us uh, through it tonight. This psalm is a call to worship, and it is a call to mission. It is a call to sing to God and a call to declare God's glory among the nations, among the whole world. But before we get on to that, 
there's a really important truth that the psalmist points us to that I don't want us to miss out. I don't want to rush away from that tonight. I want us to pause and to take a closer look at it because I believe that this truth is the springboard for our worship. This truth is what is going to set us free to worship God no matter whether we feel like it or not. Whatever is going on in our lives or the lives of people around us. One of my favorite uh, TV programs as a child was Art Attack. Hands up, who remembers Art Attack and who are, yes. Um, So I loved Art Attack as a child. It used to be on around five o'clock when you'd come home from school, you'd done your homework and you were waiting for your tea. Um, And... It was an amazing program which had loads of creative um, ideas um, of different things that you could do, although they never looked quite so cool or creative when I attempted to do them at home. Uh, But maybe you have more success. But I still loved it. But my favorite part of Art Attack was what happened at the end of the show. They had the big Art Attack. I wonder if you remember that. And Neil, the presenter, would take all these random objects, which just seemed completely random and like none of them kind of connected together and he would take these things and he would lay them out on the floor and it it just looked like a mess. It literally looked like he'd just taken all the things he could see around him and just thrown them and flung them into the middle of a room. (laughs) And you were left wondering, what on earth is that? But then you'd get this moment at the very end of the show when the camera would zoom out and it would be this incredible uh, creation, this amazing picture that he'd made um, and we didn't know what it was, but suddenly it would all become clear. And I was reminded of that when I was thinking of this psalm because maybe a little bit like that art attack, we look at the world and wonder what on earth is going on. When we turn on the TV, when we scroll through the news feed on our social media, when we open up our newspapers, we don't have to look hard to see that things are pretty messed up. Whether it's oppressive governments, whether it's war and conflict or natural disasters like the earthquake and tsunami recently in Indonesia. Or maybe it's closer to home, maybe somebody that we love is ill or dying. Maybe It's a broken relationship or financial crisis. The list goes on and on. And we're left asking the question, who is in charge around here? What is going on? Well, Psalm 96 gives us a very clear answer to that question. As the psalmist reminds us that the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. In verse 10, he says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Or verses 4 to 6. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord make the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. The Lord reigns. Kings and governments will rise and fall, but he alone is king forever. A little bit like that big art attack. It's like the psalmist zooms out and helps us to see things from a different perspective. 
in the midst of confusion and uncertainty, as we catch glimpses of what's going on in the world around us, Psalm 96 reminds us that God is in charge, that God is in control, that the Lord reigns. But he doesn't just say, the Lord reigns, and then leave it there. He reminds us of the promise that the day is coming when he will come back to rule and reign over this earth as a mighty king and judge who is going to make everything, all things new. Right now, things aren't as they should be, but it won't always be like this. In verses 11 to 12, we read these words. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He will come to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. When he comes back, he will make everything right. All the mess that we see around us will be put right. The Lord reigns. That is the springboard for our worship. The Lord reigns and he is coming back to take his rightful place as king over this world. I wonder if you can remember what it was that you were doing on the 22nd of November 2003. Anybody remember that date? I wonder if that sticks in anybody's mind. Well, I can remember what I was doing on that day because even for an amateur rugby fan like me, aged 16, I was watching the Rugby World Cup. And we actually had to watch it um, delayed because we were working at our dance school in the morning, my friend and I, and we, um, between classes, would have to go out and announce to everybody in the changing room, do not tell us the score. We don't want to know whether England or Australia are winning. We don't want to know. And we managed to make it to the end of the morning, and we got back. We even covered our eyes so we wouldn't see anything uh, in the, through the windows of my friend's dad's car. And we got back to the house. We turned on the TV, and we watched the match as if we were watching it live. And we were on the edges of our seats. And I cannot say it was the most enjoyable experience. <laughs> It was pretty nerve-wracking. I remember sitting there. Sometimes I couldn't even look, hiding behind a cushion. And like I said, I'm really not a big fan of rugby. <laughs> but do you know what we did? <laughs> when we realized <laughs> what the result was, <laughs> when my friend's dad finally came in, knew that we knew the score, and yelped for joy, <laughs> he'd been holding it in for the whole morning, <laughs> we watched the whole thing again. <laughs> But when we watched the whole thing again the second time, I tell you what, it was a lot more enjoyable. In fact, even the bits when we didn't understand what was going to happen, when we didn't quite know what the result was going to be, it made it even more amazing because we're like, we know that they are going to win. We know that Johnny Wilkinson is going to get that drop goal and there is going to be a victorious cheer in the stadium in, in our lounge. Knowing the end of the match changed everything. When we know the final score, when we know how the story ends, it changes everything. And as followers of Jesus, we know how the story ends. 
We don't need to worry whether or not God is going to be victorious like when we were nervously watching as England played. He's already proven that he is by rising from the dead. He has the victory over everything, even death itself. There is nothing outside his control, nothing that can take God off the throne. He reigns and one day he is coming back to rule and reign over the whole earth. If we're going to worship him and declare his glory among the nations, we've got to get hold of this. We've got to remember who it is that we come to worship when we gather like this. And that is a challenge for us tonight. Do we know that the Lord reigns? Do we believe it? Maybe tonight we have forgotten these truths. Well, I want to encourage us to to remind ourselves by reading this book, by reading the Bible, by reading Psalms like this one, which remind us of God's truth in the middle of a confusing and uncertain world. I want to encourage us to, to keep choosing to come and worship alongside God's people because when you're questioning and doubting what is going on, there'll be somebody around you who can help lift your hands to worship, to lift your gaze towards God. Maybe it's joining a small group so that you can be encouraged by those around and encourage others too. So that we can hold on to the truth of who God is when the world says something different. The psalm reminds us who God is. And from that place, he tells us how we can respond to him. And that is what I want us to look at now. He calls us to do two things. And the first is to sing. (laughs) To sing to him. I don't know if you noticed how this psalm started. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. You know, he doesn't, he really wants us to get this. He doesn't just say it once or twice, but three times. This is a big deal for the psalmist. This is something he really wants us to get hold of. We're being called to sing songs of praise to him. This really matters. I can remember the first time I really came across people singing songs of praise to God. And it was when I was about 15 years old. Um, I'd grown up in a church, a parish church, it was a a great little village church, and um, we used to worship by kind of standing up, we'd sing a song, we'd sit down, we'd stand up, we'd sing a song, we'd sit down, Um, and that was great, but but I hadn't ever really experienced people who who kind of sang like they meant it. We were all very English and proper in the way that we went about it. But this evening, one evening, um, my youth leaders took us to a nightclub of all places in Bournemouth to a church service. Now, I was 16. I'd never been into a nightclub. um, And I certainly didn't know that church services happened in them. But we walked in, and this was like a church service I had never, ever been to in my life. And the band started to play, and they were singing these songs But people were singing like they meant it, like they really loved the one that they were singing to. And I just remember being blown away. There was one lady in the church at home who would occasionally raise her hand in worship. And I can really remember her standing out like a sore thumb and just thinking, what is she doing? Why is she doing that? I was curious, but I never knew. But this time, everybody around me was singing like they meant it from the heart. And that night, God opened my eyes to see something of what it meant to sing to the Lord a new song. 
In response to who God is, this is one of the things the psalmist is calling us to do, to sing songs of adoration and love to God. And why does he call us to do that? Well, here's just a few reasons. The first is that it's, it's a command. This call to sing is throughout the Bible. It's repeated again and again. It contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. This isn't just an optional extra or something the psalmist dreamt up. When you become a Christian, we become singers. You don't have to be a good one. There's no audition. (laughs) But we become worshippers. We become singers to the Lord. Secondly, God sings over us. God delights to sing over his children. The night before Jesus was crucified, he sang hymns with his disciples. Another reason is that God simply delights in it when we sing to him. If in any doubt, look in the Old Testament at how the temple was set up. Everybody was given different roles to play, and a whole bunch of people were assigned to being singers to the Lord. That was their job description. It doesn't matter whether we like singing or not, God does. He delights it when we sing to him. And it's a way of of emotionally responding to who God is. It helps us connect the words that we sing with our hearts. So how are we to sing? Well, we're to sing to the Lord a new song. This is what the psalmist says. And if you're anything like me, when I first read this, my response was help. (laughs) Sing to the Lord a new song. Like I took GCSE music and I'm not a horrendous musician, but my composition skills are seriously rubbish. (laughs) I chose the minimalism option on the course because it meant that I could just stick a couple of things into a computer um, and and be done with it. (laughs) And I managed to just about scrape a B. But my composition skills are pretty useless. You know, it would be a heck of a lot of pressure on Ed and Angus if every week they were having to write new songs for the set of worship that we were going to be singing. But I don't think that that is what the psalmist means. Instead, I think he's talking about how it is we keep our worship fresh. How do we press refresh when it comes to worshiping God week in, week out, day in, day out? How do we do this practically? And I think one of the keys is letting the truth of who God is and his love for us fill our hearts and our minds. At the start of this series on the Psalms, Blake spoke about Psalm 1 and the importance of meditating on who God is and on his laws, on his ways. A, couple, a few weeks ago, Ed led us through Psalm 40, uh, 42 and how it is that we can connect with God in the midst of despair. And in that psalm, we see the psalmist say repeatedly, this I call to mind. You know, he chooses to remember who God is, and that is what helps him to keep singing his song of praise and worship to the Lord. Choosing to remember and dwell and meditate upon who the Lord is. Reading, again, reading this Bible, this book that we have as a gift to us. 
to discover day by day more of who God is and what he's done. I think sometimes we can think that our new song will come or that our worship will become fresh when God has has given us something new to sing about. But we can sing new songs to the Lord based on what he's already revealed to us. As we let the truth of who God is and what he's done for us (coughs) sink deeper and deeper into our lives into our hearts and our minds, we will find ourselves being able to sing a new song each and every day. Excuse me. (coughs) I love the picture that we have in Revelation chapter 4 of worship in heaven. It's this incredible picture of those gathered round the throne of God. And there's this amazing bit where it says that as they're gathered round the throne of God, they sing day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They don't just sing it once, they're singing it day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The same song again and again. But it's not boring, it's not dull, it's not tedious, because they're singing the same chorus again, because they are face to face with the living God. They are sitting at his feet, worshipping around his throne. And they are therefore singing the same song, but as they sing it, it has more and more fresh life and meaning, because they are, they are dwelling in the presence of God. They are meditating on him. And that is overflowing in this song of worship. It doesn't matter if it's the same chorus. God doesn't get bored when we sing the same songs to him again. But he loves it when we bring our worship fresh to him because we've chosen to dwell in his presence and to meditate on who he is. Another way of keeping our worship fresh is to take time to to think about what it is we're thankful for, to, to, to daily come to God and to thank him. It's something that I have been trying to do um, in the mornings and the evenings, to just choose even three things that we want to thank God for, for that day. That's a way of keeping our worship fresh. Another way is to, to make the objective truths that we know about God personal. This is something that Ed has, has really taught me, and, but it's a really helpful illustration, so I'm going to sh- share it tonight. When, you know, when, if you think about when you buy a, a birthday card for somebody, or you buy a card for a special occasion, you know, I, I can't imagine that many of us walk into a card shop, buy a card for somebody that we know, stick it in the envelope, and then just give it to them without writing anything in it. You know, that would be a little bit odd. Usually, we take the card and the kind of generic greeting that we see inside it, be it happy birthday or congratulations, and we then write a message around the card that is personal to us and to the person that we're writing this card to. We write a few words. If you're me, you'll write a few paragraphs. (laughs) But, you know, we make it personal, And that's a little bit like what we can do when we come to worship like this on a Sunday. As Ed and Angus or whoever's leading us in worship, they're they're providing, as we sing these songs that we know and sing week in, week out, they provide a template for us around which we can make 
our worship personal to the Lord. We can make it our own song. You know, sometimes they might even leave space where no one's singing. That's not because they've forgotten the words or because the drummer has gone out of time. I mean, maybe those things have happened. But actually, it's because they want to leave space for us to connect and to, to, to bring our own song, to make personal what we're singing. Even just now, Ed did that. As we sang, I will trust in you alone. He gave us an opportunity to make that personal, to make that our own prayer, to bring to the Lord a new song. And the final way that I want us just to quickly look at how we can bring that new song to the Lord is to sing to the Lord. It's an obvious point, but so often we can sing about the Lord, but do we know that we can sing to the Lord? In verses 7 to 9, we hear repeated, ascribe to the Lord. It's not wrong to sing about the Lord. The Psalms do it all the time. We do it here, but we don't just have to sing about the Lord. We can sing to him. He is real. He is personal. He is present with us even tonight, and we can sing to him. That worship service at that nightclub in Bournemouth, people were singing to the Lord. This wasn't just them flinging words out into the air. That's what struck me. That's what was so unique about that time. We can sing to him. And then the psalmist, as well as encouraging us to sing to the Lord a new song, he also calls us to proclaim God's salvation day after day. Worship isn't just meant to be something that happens on a Sunday or when we go to small group or we go to a Christian festival in the summer. But every single day of our lives, on the good days, on the hard days, on the days when everything's going well and the days when we kind of wish we could just go back to bed, <laughs> proclaim his salvation day after day. A really key passage for me when I think about this is Acts chapter 16, um, where we have this amazing description of, of Paul and Silas who are in Philippi telling people about Jesus, and they get arrested and they are thrown into a Philippian jail, and they're locked up into the, the kind of deepest, darkest part of the prison, and they're in their chains, and we read that about midnight they start singing songs of praise to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, if you've ever had those moments where in the middle of the night, in the wee small hours of the morning, it's like everything feels so much worse, doesn't it? When you're kind of thinking through things in the middle of the night. And for these guys, they had a lot to worry about. You know, their lives were literally in danger as they were there in this prison. But we're told that it was about midnight in the middle of the night. These guys start singing hymns of praise and thanks to God. And we will all face seasons of our lives when we find ourselves in a jail of some kind. Now, maybe you're very aware as you sit here tonight of a circumstance or a situation going on in your life or the lives of somebody around you, and you just feel trapped. Like, how is this ever going to change? But even in that place, we can bring our worship to the Lord. And the reason we can is because he reigns. Even in the darkness, even in the darkest place, the Lord is king and he reigns over all. You know, and I'm so inspired by people who live this out, walking alongside people for whom this is their reality, and yet they continue to praise and to worship God. 
Even here in this church family, I know so many people who have inspired me over my five years here who have chosen to sing praise to God even in the midst of whatever is going on in their lives. They are choosing to proclaim his salvation day after day because it is true day after day because he reigns day after day. He calls us in this psalm to sing. And finally, and this is a much shorter point, he calls us to declare God's glory among the nations. And I want to finish with this. In response to who God is, the psalmist doesn't just call us to sing songs of praise to God. He calls us to declare his glory among the nations. We cannot just sing our songs to God and leave it there because there are hundreds of thousands of people in this world who haven't got a clue what it is we're singing about. We've got to declare his glory among the nations. And by the nations, he basically just means everybody. Everybody. Every people, group, every person on this earth. And the reason is, as Rupert reminded us at Growing Together on Tuesday, is that the Lord reigns over everyone, whether they are his people or not. The Lord reigns over all, so we are called to proclaim his glory to all. And maybe you think, well, how on earth can I do that? I live here in Cambridge, and I don't feel like God is calling me to go to some far-flung country. But I don't think he's just talking about that. Again, when he's talking about the nations, I don't think he's only talking about different nationalities, but actually people that just don't know or believe in God. Again, everyone. And we don't have to go far to find them. Maybe it's in your home, in your family. Maybe it's in your workplace, your sports team. I'm sure that right now you can think of people who don't know God, but we're called to go and declare his glory to them. He's not just calling us to sing up to him, but to sing out to the nations. I think so often we can turn evangelism and sharing our faith and telling people about Jesus into something boring and dull. Something is meant to be life to people. We kind of present as this like, oh, maybe, here you go, if, if, that, if you want it, take it or leave it. But you know, I love that in this psalm, the context within which we're called to declare his glory to the nations is a context of worship and of singing. That is the springboard from which we are to go out of these walls and proclaim God's glory to the places that he has called us to go, even this week. You know, if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody who's really passionate about something and you maybe, you know, don't really know much about it and, and you know, they're, they're talking to you and it, this happened quite a lot when I was a student pastor here and students would come to me, I'd ask them what their dissertation was in and they'd tell me and, you know, and I would be able to keep up for a little while but then it would just go completely over my head and I wouldn't have a clue what, I was, what they were talking about but it was, sounded really interesting and so I would keep nodding and humming, hopefully, in the right places. Um, but, you know, they didn't need any encouragement to keep talking <laughs> because this was something they were passionate about. They loved it. And, you know, when we are in love with God, when we are singing praise to him day by day, we're not going to help but proclaim his glory to the people around us. It will flow out of us. Matt Redman, a few years ago, wrote a song called Let Worship Be the Fuel for Mission's Flame. 
That was a line in this song, let worship be the fuel for mission's flame, and I love that. Because worship and mission aren't two separate things. The two things he's calling us to in this psalm are not separate, they are interlinked. Mission comes out of the overflow of worship. I just want to finish by sharing a story actually of a group of students. Um, Some of you will know them, but they have just this summer left this city having graduated and gone up to Manchester where they felt God call them to declare his glory. And all of those guys that have gone were passionate worshippers of God. They loved him. They, loads of them were in the, the worship team. Not that that makes you a passionate worshipper of God, but it just kind of proves the point that the, the, for these guys, worship was an important and a, an integral part, foundation for this mission that God was calling them to, to go into. Let worship be the fuel for Mission's Flame. So in this psalm, there's, there's loads of stuff there, and there's, there's more that we haven't even touched on. But just a, a little reminder as we finish, and then um, Ed and the band are going to come and just lead us in a song, and um, we just, yeah, would love to, to make a little bit of space to, to respond however we uh, want to uh, before the Lord without having to rush away. The psalmist calls us to remember that the Lord reigns. And out of that place, he calls us to sing to the Lord, to bring our worship to him day by day. And to declare God's glory to the nations so that they can sing too. You know, maybe one or all of those things it's kind of been stirring in your heart as we've been reading this psalm and as we've been talking about it together tonight. And, and as these guys play, maybe you just want to kind of recommit to the Lord. Maybe it's that you want to, to, to ask the Lord to, to remind you more, to show you more of who he is. Maybe it's that you want to, to ask the Lord to put people on your heart to whom you can go and declare his glory even tomorrow. <laughs> in all the things that you're going to be doing. But I think the thing that struck me with, this, with all of these things that we hear the psalmist call us to in this psalm is actually it all comes out of a place of being close with God. It all comes out of the overflow of, of, of relationship with him. And so why don't, I'm going to invite us to, to stand and I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to um, have a chance to to sing and respond to the Lord however we would like to.